Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of the Let's Talk Audio Podcast. Woohoo! So, on today's episode, I interviewed my buddy Chance. He is a fantastic sound engineer, and he kind of took a very interesting path to get to where he is today. And I thought that that'd be a great conversation to have. He also was recently diagnosed with ADHD and had a kid. And I think that um, mental issues are definitely something that's worth talking about, but also just taking interesting turns in life. And so without further ado, we're going to get right on into this episode. Audio. Okay, my first question for you, Chance, on all seriousness is, what has your experience as a Black woman been for you in audio? <laughs> I saw that on your, on your like list of questions, and I thought maybe you would just change it. <laughs> I want to know about your experience as a black woman in audio. Absolutely. Uh, How that say, impacted your experience? <laughs> I have to say it's very limited. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. But for real though, um, what, how, how did you get into audio? How'd you get here? What's that? What was that like for you? How much your, time and, you got, buddy? <laughs> what was your uh, introduction to audio? Let's start yeah. there. Um, well, I started getting into recording myself because I play guitar. And I think like a lot of the people in, in, in most AV industries either were in a band or they were a DJ or something of that sort. I'm definitely not different. So I I started out just playing music and then I wanted to record it. I got like, this is, I actually first started recording on like one of those Boss digital recorders. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Like, I don't even know what they make them anymore. That Tascam still kind of makes them where it looks like a little mixer and it's got like an SD card and you literally like record on that. Like, so it's basically impossible to edit anything. Uh, you can just multi track or you can track over. So I used to record songs and stuff doing that. And then I, I liked, you know, like metal and heavy music. So I would actually like program drums in like a MIDI. Thing, and these drums sounded absolutely, absolutely horrible. Um, and I would like run them out of the computer into this, this boss recorder. And I mean, let me just say these were masterpieces. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where I got started. I started having fun with it and I would buy some other random stuff. Like I had like a tape cassette recorder that was kind of fun. Um, you know, and it was only like two track, but you could still kind of mess with it and whatever. And then from there, I actually went into, in high school, this was like late middle school and high school, I went into the show choir, uh, which I thought was really lame. But then one of my teachers was like, dude, you should uh, try out for the show choir today. And I was like, no, nah, that's dumb. And she was like, well, you could just play guitar. And I'm like, I can play guitar in there? And she's like, yeah, you can play guitar. And I'm like, oh. She's like, yeah, like you get a whole third period where you just like play guitar and dick around. And I was like okay, well, you, you make that sound real good now. So then I went and tried it out, and uh, I got it. So then I started playing guitar there. And this is where I really got into more audio stuff because we would actually, the show choir had a full band and everything, and we would go 
to other schools. Like we would go to elementary schools and we would play shows essentially for these other kids. And, you know, they're all cover songs and, and random stuff like that. But we had this sound system that was stupid. Like it, it was, it was dumb. We had two, um, Yamaha. Oh shit. I don't remember the name of, can I cuss by the way? <laughs> yeah, you're fine. <laughs> okay. Oh, bleep. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but I've spent so much time on these consoles, but they were like the old 16 channel Yamaha digital consoles. And we had two of them for some reason. And we were like linking them together. Kind of, it was the goofiest setup. And after a while I was just like, why, why are we doing this? And then they were like, I don't know. Some guy just showed us how to set this stuff up and we just, this is what we do. And I was like, this is really bad. And it sounds really bad every time. And this doesn't make any sense at all. And they were like, yeah, we know, but we don't know what to do. So I started figuring that out and then like going through like every piece of equipment we had and like figuring out how it was all hooked up. And so that's what really got me into like, that was like the first sound system I really messed with, you know? So I started figuring out how to do stuff with that. And then I set it up to where it was like way better. It was still kind of stupid because we still had to use both consoles, but at least I figured out a better way to put them together to where it wasn't really stupid. And uh, yeah, so that's where I really got started. I think that's what I blame anyway, because then from there I went on to the art Institute and I really think all that stuff uh, played into that because I really just wanted to record music and learn more about that and, you know, maybe get into doing live sound and stuff. Joke's on me. I realize now I didn't have to go to school for that, you know, but hey, uh, it is what it is. Uh, it was still it was still a lot of fun. So then I went to the Art Institute in Austin where I got a audio production degree and did a I did a ton of live shows while I was there. We had like this really solid sound system at the school that they would let me take off campus and like take anywhere and like throw shows with it and stuff. So I did. I used to take it to the skate park and throw pop punk shows all the time at the skate park. And um, thinking about moving all that shit now like hurts my body just thinking about it. <laughs> you know, like because I, I used to carry so much stuff. I literally fractured my foot just carrying stuff. Uh, I didn't drop anything on it. I just carried so much stuff i fractured my foot anyway from there after graduated i worked at guitar center go figure i think most of us have <laughs> at some point um and then uh i went to the renaissance austin hotel and did a bunch of i did i worked in the internal av what is it team there and basically just did a whole bunch of events like conferences uh, things of that nature. Uh, so that was pretty cool because I, I, there is a reason I'm going through all these because I feel like I've, I've seen a lot of different little pieces of AV just in my short time. But anyway, so there at the hotel did a lot of, uh, conferences, weddings. Um, you know, they would have huge conferences. They would have small ones, all kinds of stuff. From there, I went on to do commercial audiovisual, like installed. And did mostly corporate, like, small, medium-sized conference rooms, a ton of digital signage, a bunch of video walls. I was designing. Um, I was also the lead technician. I ended up becoming the operations manager at that company and was running, like, a team that had, like, seven people on it. And we started we started that audiovisual side of the company and made it 
when I left, like, a few years later, we were doing, like, $2 million a year, which was kind of cool. That's not really that much for, like, a a bigger company, but for a company that didn't have an audiovisual department, you know, two years prior, pretty cool. So that one was interesting. I learned a lot there about the corporate side of audiovisual and about the install, like, commercial install side which was very interesting because prior I'd only been involved in like the conferences or the events or running a lot of live sound gigs. You and I both worked for Tim, you know, we used to, I used to run the sound for the graduations at, uh, what is that? Texas state. He had me do other stuff too. Like I, he used to send me out to the honky tonk. Have you ever been to the honky tonk? I haven't, but he's told me about it. I, I, I loved those. I mean, I get home at like four in the morning and it was exhausting and I try not to die driving home, like tired out of my mind, but it was fun, you know, like actually going to a legit like honky talk and running these shows out there. It's, it's funny. Anyway, uh, after, after that doing all the commercial sound, I went on to, uh, work for a large company called WeWork, which I was, Basically, now I was on the client side, which is nice. So I, I had a lot of experience with different clients. Now I am the client, and I basically just made sure their audiovisual equipment got installed correctly and was verified and validated at all these new buildings that were getting built and stuff. Totally different being on that side of it, on the client side, um, and having a lot more control over it. We have a lot more control over like the the network capabilities and what we're allowed to do and able to do, which was very cool. We had some very awesome like enterprise level management that like I would have loved to have implemented at the job prior, but didn't have the the tools or the resources to do it. So at WeWork, they had a lot of resources and tools to be able to implement these really cool like management features. And so it's like the stuff you kind of like the company, um, What's it? The vendors or the salespeople will tell you like, oh, you can do this and you can do that and you can do all this stuff. Uh, but we actually like did it and used those things. And it was kind of it was kind of fun. And then uh, I for the past six months, seven months, I've been uh, at a company that did uh, mostly retail uh, audiovisual service and installation with. It's very interesting because totally different for me now. This is all retail versus like corporate AV and stuff, you know. So now we're working with like some of the stores that you would go to at the mall, like Hot Topic, uh, Forever 21, Spencer's. Uh, the last client that I worked with almost exclusively uh, was Texas Roadhouse. Um, so, so it's a little different than, you know, like your corporate office environment so uh it's pretty cool uh, because also like the products change a lot depending on like what facet like what vertical in the industry you're in so like a product designed for like live sound or running shows or doing events totally different products for like uh in you know running music in a texas roadhouse you know like it's it's interesting the the drastic array of product verticals and i think that's one of the more challenging things jumping between the different verticals is like if you're used to this set of products and everything you know your way around that and then you go over here and you're like oh they don't use that brand or they don't use this style of stuff oh they use this kind of mixer over here that makes a lot more sense you know we're like whatever so uh yeah so i've been i've been project managing texas roadhouse builds uh like every texas roadhouse being built in the past like 
seven months, basically, I was like project managing that AV installation. So it, it was pretty cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I actually, last Thursday was my last day there and I'm starting a new job next week. I'm kind of jobless for this week, which is pretty rad. You know, my, oh my, my responsibilities are pretty minimal right now, at least until next week. So I'm super stoked about that. But I really did enjoy the, uh, doing the project management stuff for, for all those, uh, Texas roadhouses. But I, um, I'm going to work for a company called Peloton now. They make those fancy bikes, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be doing audiovisual for them now. So, you know, a lot of jobs you would think maybe wouldn't exist either in audiovisual. Like Peloton has AV people. Okay, sure. But I'm actually, you know, going to be like, uh, managing their office like they have like a headquarters number two in in the dallas area that is gonna have a ton of av in it and they need someone there to like make sure it's gucci so uh that's basically what i'm gonna be doing now which is pretty interesting because it's it's like oh okay well now we're getting into another little interesting field here so all that to say that is what i have done and do and I have seen at least a few different verticals and been heavily involved in them. And it's given some good perspective, I think. I like it. I also, in a way, it also humbles you to know, like, even if I was, like, pretty good at what I did in these verticals, I always knew someone who was way smarter and way better than I was. And so... Like, just thinking about how there's all these audio professionals that are just really fucking good in every vertical, you know, is pretty cool. It humbles you because, you know, you there's people that can hop in and out of these different areas, too, and they know so much that they can be successful in any area. And that's pretty cool. Uh, I also have seen some people that are absolutely terrible, and I'm like, how are you even uh, doing this, you know? But... Every industry has those, but well, it's cool. It's cool to see all the the rad people on every side of this industry that can do a ton of different things. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Tangela? Right. Does that answer it? <laughs> uh, Samson, that answers. Uh, sorry, Chance, that answers. I don't know. Fudge. All right, it was nice talking to you. I'll see you later. <laughs> All right, great conversation. We're done. Deuces. Great interview. See you next time, guys. Uh, no, uh, that that was that was a lot. That was that was good. Okay, okay. I feel like the last time I talked to you, you just started your job, like with Texas Roadhouse Audio. Like, yeah, that was like now already like, like seven or eight months ago, though. I Isn't know, but it, it, okay. First off, it goes to show how good of friends we are that even after like seven or eight months, we can still talk and like it's okay. But then, secondly, it's like. Damn, it's been seven or eight months since I've talked to you. I know. <laughs> Isn't this, like, well, crazy. this last year felt like the shortest and longest year of all time, it, it feels did. like, you know? It does. It so does. it's honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like messed up on like time and yeah. stuff right now, you know, cause I, I have like no concept of when stuff happened. Like, uh, can you believe, was it, uh, oh, hell, was it Kobe that died last year? Kobe Bryant? Yeah. Like two years? The end of 2019? I think that I was last year, though, dude. Like, that was 2020, was it? wasn't it? 
That's what I'm saying. Like, doesn't that mess you up? You're like, no, no. That was a long time ago. No, it like just happened. Was it really? I don't know. Let's no. Google it. Now you got to make me Google. Colby Bryant. Yeah, dude. 2020. No. That happened oh in God. 2020. I know. Did. Yeah. Oh. I, that one got me the other day. I was like, what the oh, hell? The that... beginning of 2020. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the end of 2019, but still. Like, I know. Damn. I know. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm messed up on time right now, dude. It's like, I have no idea how long it's been. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, yeah. So I, I wouldn't, um, I have, this is the shortest time I've ever stayed at a job, I think, other than when I worked at Chili's. Just a FYI out there, don't work at Chili's. You'd be better off doing many other things. Don't work at Chili's. I, if you work else. at Chili's and you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I told you not to work there. Okay. That's okay. it. Uh, yeah. No. Okay. So one of the things that I, I've always thought was fascinating with you, which is something that I don't think a lot of people talk about in the world of audio. I mean, like your career trajectory is insane and how that's transitioned was insane. I guess... I guess the, the, the question that comes to mind, though, is, like, how how did you go about making those transitions? Like, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, all I know is live sound and all I've ever done is live sound and I don't know how to do anything else. And then it's like, but people talk about, oh, but you're a sound engineer. You can do all these other jobs. And you're like, yeah, but I have no experience with those jobs. I don't know what those jobs are. I don't know what those jobs looks like. Mm-hmm. So how how do you feel like you were able to transition yourself from being oh i'm in a band doing live sound to now being corporate guru over here (laughs) nah corporate guru okay i think the biggest jump to me was from guitar center to the hotel also i would i would like to preface this by saying i do believe i am kind of a unicorn um in my area i don't know if that's true maybe i just feel that way because Maybe I have issues with self-worth and stuff, too. I don't know. But I do feel like I have found these jobs that my peers have not been able to do or to find or I didn't even know were there, you know. So with that said, I do think I am blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it. Like, I definitely do not think that this is normal, if that makes sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm pessimistic. I don't know. But I, I would say the biggest jump was for, for me to go from Guitar Center to that uh, hotel, which is where I learned a lot of the AV. That's where I really got into the the industry, if you will. I worked with a lot of people outside of the hotel that would come in and do different things, and I would learn from them. I also became a leader there. So that is a thing that I am, I will say, I will except is that I do pretty much become somewhat of a leader wherever I go somehow just for the most part it's because I like to do my job well and I often will have to start figuring out why I can't do my job well once I get in somewhere you know I'll be like okay well why can't I do this task oh because this these other three tasks are not done who's supposed to do those tasks why are they not done this and that and then i end up systematically fixing everything so and and that's really just because i have standards and i have things i want to do and i need other pieces to be in place for those things to happen 
Uh, and quite frankly, I don't typically anymore, I don't ask if I can do those things or whatever. I just do them. And usually nobody complains about it. You know, I definitely have stepped on toes and I have made people quit before. Uh, at the hotel, there was a guy that quit because of me because he just, oh. he, well, he was lazy. He was lazy and I was making him work harder and he didn't like it and he quit straight up. I'm not kidding. You know, and he was supposed to be training me. And I know I realized pretty quickly that he was training me to be shitty. And so I, you know, once I started doing more, I would have to, he'd be like, oh man, I don't want to do that. And be like, look, dude, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to put all this shit up by myself unless you help me. But if you don't help me, I'm going to do it by myself. And then he would help me. And then eventually he was like, this sucks. <laughs> and then he left. Um oh. But man, <laughs> so I do think there's something to be said about like, I will, I cannot resist systematically fixing bullshit. I just can't like, I have to do it. It drives me insane. To not do it. And I will try not to, but I can't like, um, when I went to WeWork, I started there as just a regular tech guy, you know, like just for the local Dallas offices, you know, just supporting the audiovisual, uh, right. Like they had like average of 40 rooms in each location there's like 12 in dallas there was a lot of conference rooms and a lot of equipment and a lot of stuff like that and my job was just to make sure it was all good so you know i started going to these offices and i would say like all right well um i could just wait until somebody says there's a problem or i could just make all of these offices in such good condition that nobody has to report any problems and then i can just sit back and chill right so that's what I did. I went to each office systematically. I went through every single room and I made sure everything was functional and that everything was good. And in doing so, I found a lot of problems. And then I started noticing a lot of those problems were happening similarly, like elsewhere. And I noticed a trend. And then I started asking, why is this problem happening? And then I started doing what I normally do. And I started trying to systematically fix it, which, you know, some could say is a good thing. Some could say it's a bad thing. I could have just chilled and minded my own business. But instead, like a few months later, I ended up being on a team that didn't exist before that validated every site in North America and Canada because I was so annoyed with how these things were not done correctly. Like I had wall plates not terminated correctly. I had all kinds of shit that just wasn't done correctly. And it was really frustrating because I was like, we paid some people to do this, right? Why aren't they doing this? And then, you know, then you start realizing, well, I got to go up the chain to fix this. And I got to go up the chain to fix this. And then that's, so I pretty much did that. And it ended up getting me a promotion to a team that didn't exist before. And then, you know, so then I started traveling all over the country and like going to all these other different places. Like I went to every site in Denver, in and out, just like I did in Dallas. I went to every site in uh, Phoenix, it, just like I did in Dallas and started doing that elsewhere. So it's cool because that is one way I get elevated in my career, but it's also not cool because it's like, I don't do it on purpose. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I really had every intention of like not getting into a bunch of stuff at WeWork and just like doing my job. And then I just can't, I can't not do that. That's uh, not your personality. So no, it's frustrating, it's honestly, not. you know, cause it's I want to just be some, some schmuck that goes to work. It's really hard. You know, it, it's really funny that you say that because I feel like what you're talking about is leaning into your 
natural skills and your natural personality. I feel like when it comes to work and stuff, a lot of times people don't lean into who they are naturally. And I mean the good versions of yourself, not those crappy, lazy, I don't want to work versions, but like becoming a leader. You are naturally a leader type person that's naturally within your personality. I mean, I knew that from like the first day that I met you sitting in that restaurant with uh, Luke <laughs> and having that experience or even when, you know, like the way that you talk, the way that your brain works, like those are like solving problems is naturally something that you do without much thought into, oh, I'm actively solving a problem. You're just sitting there and you're like, you know, there's this problem and this thing and then this thing and then this thing and then you just start going. Right. But that's naturally your God-given gifts, if you will, right? Thank you. And I think that a lot of people don't lean into their natural God-given gifts, okay? Whatever you want to call them, okay? Mm -hmm. The universe gave you gifts or whatever. Like, (laughs) the things that make you unique into who you are. Like, for me, as much as I love, you know, AV and stuff like that, one of my natural gifts is just talking with people, right? That's why having a podcast has been so great for me, especially by way of creative outlet. It's because I am leaning into something that I was already naturally given. And I think that that's what's allowed me to have these different shifts in my my life, but also be successful in or growing in success because I'm leaning into that versus trying to shy away from those things because it doesn't fit the mold of what people or society or whatever says that you should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I definitely think so. Like, I do still think I'm kind of a unicorn because I have found these opportunities mm-hmm. that I think are very rare. Yeah. You know, like we work was a very rare opportunity. They paid me a stupid amount of money. It was awesome. You know, uh, granted, I got laid off and everything. That's a whole nother story. Right. But whatever. I really can't complain, honestly. Even when I got laid off, I was like, I got four months severance pay. I got some money in the bank. I don't even, I have nothing to complain about. You know, like, I'm fine. So uh, it really wasn't that big of a deal to me, although I did really like that job. I thoroughly enjoyed that job. Anyway, I do think that uh, that's one reason, like, my natural need to, like, fix problems and stuff, too, which is, like, what got me into audiovisual in the first place, because I was like, why is this mixer stupid? Uh, you know, like I, that is what I like more about it than anything. Like I like solving the problems and figuring it out and making things work smoothly, you know, especially from like a system design perspective, that's fun. And there's a lot more thought that goes into that than a lot of people might think, like, unless they've been designing systems. Like, uh, I used to do all the, the programming and design for, you know, that, that company I worked for prior It's called ImageNet. And so I, I knew every piece of it. I was also out in the field installing this stuff. So I would design the systems knowing I'm going to have to put it in and how am I going to have to put it in and everything like that. So it was pretty cool to, to like design from that perspective. A lot of designers don't have that field perspective or, you know, it's just, it's just a little different. Anyway, I do think like my, that, natural problem solving skill is kind of like applied everywhere in here. And I also think on the flip side of that, this is a like a thought that I've had prior about audiovisual professionals, especially if there's audiovisual professionals that are trying to break out into a larger industry or something, you know, like not the niche audiovisual industry. I say niche, there's like a thousand different things you can do, you know, but yeah. 
like trying to break out into IT or something. You know, like a lot of audiovisual professionals are trying to break more into like the IT side of the of the business because a lot of AV is going that way. And it's just a little bit more profitable to have those skills than like AV skills sometimes, you know, it just depends on what you're trying to do. But I think a lot of the the people that do AV are very good problem solvers. Like that it's the audiovisual systems are just like logical systems. They're logical puzzles. They have a flow, you know, it's just like a circuit or a machine or something like that. I think of it almost like like a Sudoku puzzle or something like, you know, there's a way it goes together and you just enjoy like figuring out how it goes together. Um, or if there's a problem, like, honestly, that's one of my favorite things is when there's a problem is figuring out what the problem is, you know? Well, like you said, I love doing that from a, like a uh, here. I'm sorry. Very long winded. My whole point is I think these okay. skills can be applied elsewhere. Like I learned problem solving and troubleshooting in an audiovisual environment but i tend to apply that to the commercial or what did you call it the corporate environment because the there's processes and and things in business that are systematic just like an like an av system or something you know like and you can you can similarly find the problems and figure out how to fix them and make that signal flow better, make that process better and improve uh, things. And I think it's the same skill set that I'm using to troubleshoot an audiovisual system. Like, why is there a hum in this line or whatever? It's the same skill set that I'm using to say, why is this process not successful at work? You know, like, why does this thing never go right or you know, how come so-and-so never gets us this data or whatever, you know, like it's that same skill set. And I think, um, the whole, the whole reason I'm saying this is not to limit yourself to just because your skill set is niche, you know, um, or like you're saying, lean into your natural skills and talents. Um, but your, your, I guarantee your, your natural skill and talent is not rolling cable and like figuring out how to plug things up and knowing how to run a system. Like it's, it's higher than that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, you're just using it over here. Uh, right. which totally cool. I'm just saying, I think that was a big, uh, thing for me is, is yeah. applying my, my skills more generally you know yeah i feel like what you're talking about are transferable skills so like i think that's like the 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 the, the hot term right now right that sounds like right to me describing sure is, is transferable skills and and i think that that's important i think it's very similar to you know somebody who's like oh, okay well you know i have this business and i'm doing uh let's say you're going to go be a vocal coach right mm -hmm. i say this because i listened to a podcast in this episode was about a guy who was a vocal you coach and it, and it I think it talks I know right and I think this principle applies to what they were talking about so anyways, uh the guy was okay I'm he was he went to school did some stuff whatever was decided he's going to be a musician take vocal lessons well then his vocal teacher was like hey you should start giving vocal lessons and then he was like nah <laughs> but then he was like all right I'll do it because whatever who cares so then he started giving vocal lessons and then through vocal lessons he started learning about advertising and marketing. He went to school for advertising, but that looks a little different nowadays than it did back in the day, right? So now you have this, this set of skills that you've already learned 
that you're now applying to whatever it is that you're trying to do now. So it's like you took what you learned from one place and you were able to transfer them. And I think that having transferable skills is what really allows people to advance further than what they initially thought because you're able to do more through those skills. So it's not just, oh, I'm, I, can, I can only do so many things because I fit inside this box. It's like, yeah, that box is there and all that's great. But if you could get outside the box, do other things, and then keep transferring what you've already learned to apply it to different situations, then you're more likely to find opportunities that are going to be greater than if you just stayed with the same mindset in the box. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, but that, I think that, yeah, that's very similar to what I'm trying to encourage as well, for sure. Because I do feel, I almost feel like a response, maybe a responsibility. I feel like I want to bring other people up, you know, that in AV especially, like if I can help elevate somebody that because I was able to, you know, I think I would, I like the idea of that. I don't know how, how, how good I am at that or if I'm really doing and it. But... Bringing people up. Yeah. I would I wouldn't say that you are. I think that prime example between you and me was what happened with church, you know? Um you left and you were like, "Hey, you're great. Do this." <laughs> and I was like, "Uh, I don't know about all that, guys." And you guys were like, "No, we're going to do this. It's going to be fine." You I did mean, it. I did it, and it was mostly fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um and so I think that's like part of it, you know? It's like whenever you leave a place, being mm -hmm. able to replace you with somebody that you feel like does fit that role and it might not they might not have had that opportunity otherwise yeah no that's a good point yeah for sure i do think that that actually brought up another thing i was thinking though is like just similar to how i jumped from i went over to the hotel totally new went over to doing like commercial build design build audiovisual uh totally new for me like i had no experience in a prior integrator so the industry itself was 100 percent new to me and also this department was brand new in this company it's not like they had a pre-existing department with uh they had a service team and they had designers and engineers and all that they didn't have shit it was me and the guy that started the department literally and so like it it was a huge challenge and i had to do a ton of research because quite frankly i didn't have I, quite frankly, I was not qualified for the position, but they were looking for somebody not qualified, if that makes sense. They wanted somebody who had like the go get them attitude. attitude, you know, not necessarily like someone that knew everything, mm -hmm. you know. So that's where I say like I lucked out there because I, you know, there's plenty of people that are like, just give me the opportunity and I'll learn whatever I have to. But to find those opportunities is, is another thing. You know, I actually got one of those opportunities and I was like, man, I hope I don't screw this up. I ended up doing an amazing job over there, though. At least I think I did. But it was very challenging because I just came into this industry that I, quite frankly, did not know anything about. I have had very strong foundational knowledge and like I'm generally good at stuff. You know, so I just had to do a lot of research and really like dig, dig, dig in. And it ended up being pretty good. It ended up being fine. I probably did things, I think in a, in a one way it was good because I wasn't dug into any particular ways of doing things. So we were able to kind of do things exactly what how we thought would be good, you know, instead of just doing the standard, typical, whatever everybody else normally does. Uh, so there was something to be said of that. Uh, but then similarly going over to WeWork, 
totally different. You know, like point I'm getting at is like, just if you get an opportunity, just do it, just take it, you know, like, and even if, if you're not sure about it, if you don't know if you're going to be good enough or whatever, who cares? Just try it, just do it, you know? And, and is if you try your, your best and do everything you can do, then that's all you can do, you know? But you definitely, if you have one of those opportunities, you need to take it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. That was, um, you know, there's more involved with like that whole decision. That was actually when we decided to move. We lived in Austin. We decided to move up to Dallas. And that was, you know, I, I don't know what your demographic of listeners is, but that was definitely to us a very, a God thing. We had just gone to like this focus group our church did to kind of like help help think about like what your priorities are and what's important to you, which is like a really awesome thing for a church to do, by the way, you know, like, uh, absolutely. Who does that? It was great. Anyway. So we were like, wow, we'd really need to move up to Dallas. Everything we care about on our like top 10 things of things we care about is in Dallas and we're not in Dallas. That doesn't make any sense. And we were just like, I guess we're moving to Dallas. And like, that's, then the church was like, oh, damn it. We didn't want you guys to, to move to, to move to Dallas. I'm like, well, you shouldn't have Everyone done this. Everyone was like, You shouldn't have done do this it. very introspective thing then, okay? <laughs> Everyone missed you guys oh, immediately man. after you left. It was so, so crazy. But I mean, I still missed you guys even like three years later. <laughs> it was, uh... It was interesting because we'd been trying to move for months and then everything after we had made that decision and like prayed about it lined up like bam, 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 bam. And like I was gone in like two weeks. It's crazy. You know, I was like, well, now it's going to take me forever to find a job. I literally had that job, which was like double my current salary. And like the next week I had an interview and I had to go up to Dallas for an interview. And I was like, OK, I guess I'm moving up here. Like it was so fast. You know, in Austin, we had that trailer home, you know, uh, but we didn't have anywhere to put it. We'd inherited this trailer home and we needed a place to put it. And we'd been trying to find a place for months. And then again, as soon as this thing lined up in Dallas, bam, there's a place to move the trailer to in Dallas, uh, just like instantly. And it was great. Honestly, lived in a trailer park for three years and it was rad. I would do it again. It was a good, it's a good trailer park. You got to find yourself a good trailer park. You can't just, you can't just go to any trailer park. You know, you got to find a good one. Yeah, it was, I remember the day that I got the call saying I got that job and I just like fell on my knees and was like, this is an opportunity to like get out of this hard cycle of work, you know, and it really was. So like, I I do know, I do have a lot of like natural skills and I do, I'm like the ideal employee. Like I will fix things. I'll work harder than I'm supposed to, <laughs> you know, like I will do things that are not quote my job unquote you know like i'm i'm definitely like strong employee material but you don't know that from a freaking resume you know what i mean like no. you don't know that yeah. but uh, that that opportunity was huge for me you know so there's definitely like i do believe that was uh, a god thing because as soon as we had made the choice to do what we thought was right and you know, be close to what was important to us, which is mostly our family, like everything just fell into place. So I think there is something to be said about that. I don't necessarily think I, I deserved that job or that I, I don't even know why I got it. Honestly, I had, you know, what's funny too. I just had a mustache at the time. I looked like a fucking idiot and they still hired me, which is hilarious. 
<laughs> okay, Samson. I mean, what a way to just dive into that one. But I do have a different question for you. Well, let me rephrase that. People are going to be like, man, you. this guy is like over here saying this job was God ordained. And then he said he looked like a fucking idiot. What is, <laughs> what is his deal? <laughs> what is his deal? Uh, you are who you are. That's that's what your deal is. But okay, so this brings me into something that I actually have always found kind of fascinating with you and and your career trajectory. So for like as long as the history of time, um, obviously you've always been married in my mindset. Um, <laughs> since the dawn of time, you've always been married. Since what the dawn chance of was time. singled when? <laughs> and like even now, you guys have been married for like forever and now you just had a kid. And I want to know what it was like for you in the beginning, from the beginning until now of starting your career. At the beginning of time. At the beginning of time, when you wanted to start being an audio engineer, but you were like in a band and, you know, trying to go about that whole lifestyle and transitioning into these more corporate jobs. Like, how did you manage like what all you were willing to do with family and like what all you were willing to put your family through for your dreams and your careers? Because some people, especially like with bands and stuff, they're like, well, I want to live on the road in the van or, you know, or be a sound engineer touring all the time. But, you know, that that puts a toll on your family, you know, like and how did you, I guess, approach that mindset and how did you decide what you were willing to sacrifice in that regard? That's a good ass question, dude. I got to say that is a great question, because quite frankly, I more or less chose my wife over doing that stuff, you know, like I was committed. I was married in 2013. I mean, that's like right when I graduated school, like college, and I was, you know, the doing all the bands and stuff from like, I don't know, 2012 and and up. And like, I did really want to like try to do the band for real. Now, I mean, in retrospect, like, I know now what it would take to do that for real. And I also realized then what it would take to do for real. I just knew I couldn't do it. Like, I knew I wouldn't be able to do that with Rachel, quite frankly. It just wasn't going to happen. Like, she was very supportive. But I didn't want to, Rachel was working three jobs and going to school at the time, you know, like I was working and then, you know, just got out of school and was trying to find a good job so that we didn't have to work as hard, you know, and also like we had a really nice apartment, but we had like no money to do anything like we lived in the coolest city ever and never did anything because we were always broke, man. Like there was one time we didn't even have like all we had was like flour and potatoes. And I was like, okay, what can we do? Like, well, we can make potato pizza question mark. And we did. And it was actually pretty rad. We made potato pizza and it was delicious for having flour and potatoes only, you know, but I decided like, man, I just didn't really want to like struggle that hard. And I didn't want her to have to work that hard. And so I realized pretty early on, like there was like a fork in the road. I could, take this one route and we could just choose to sacrifice like comforts and a more comfortable lifestyle and stuff and less what's the word I'm trying to think of uh less foundation or whatever you know and for for the sake of flexibility and being able to to go places and do things so I mean not to down anybody that's chosen to go that route I just didn't think it would work and honestly like knowing me too like I like stability and my comfort like i i'm very comfortable in my home like i have a very nice home and i love it 
and I'm very comfortable in it. And that's important to me. You know, like some people are cool with not having a home and with like just having a couch to sleep on or whatever. And, you know, like that, I couldn't do that. You know, like I, it may be in a different life or something, you know. So I definitely chose to go the, the route of like the more stable, you know, way to, to get into this industry, which I found would be getting into like integration of some sort, you know, um, the live events I got out of like the main reason I was trying to get out of the hotel and doing the live events is because the hours were crazy, you know, for like having, especially like having a kid later or whatever, like those hours are pretty rough. You know, there would be nights where it'd be Friday night and they'd have all these events and stuff and it ends at like, you know, one in the morning and then there's another event that starts at six with the room turned the other way or something. So you got to break all that stuff down and you end up not sleeping, you know, uh, or you just sleep like a couple hours and just get back to work and whatever. Um, you know, that's not very sustainable for like, it, you know, that's that's a much more sustainable for like a young person with more flexibility and not as much responsibility, but I definitely saw that becoming a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, no, that was a great question, dude. Uh, because the short answer is like, had I not had a wife or Rachel, you know, I probably would have chosen to not, maybe not be as solidified in my career. You know, I definitely, that was a definite thought process and a choice to, sacrifice what I kind of wanted to do in order to do something that would be more stable, you know? I think I, I really, at a, for a long time, I would have really enjoyed, like, you know, working in or running a recording studio, too. Um, but again, the, you know, you got to do a lot of marketing and self-promotion in that kind of area as well. Like, a lot of that is dependent on you and you go get the clients and you build a reputation for yourself and, you know, there's there's a lot involved with that, too, that I thought was probably not sustainable for a family as well, you know. Uh, and I got married really early, too, so that's something to keep in mind. I, you know, this was, I graduated high school in 2010. I, Rachel and I had already been dating for two years at that point. We got married in 2013. We had been dating for five years. And now we've been together over we've been together like 13 years or something and we've been married for eight of those. So I definitely was like, we were basically married already, you know, by the time I was trying to make all these decisions, like you said, like I've been married since the beginning of time. Um, so if you're in a different situation, you know, and you have more flexibility, that could be totally different for you. I just, I just see the, I saw the writing on the wall really early, I think, you know, and I was like, well, I just need to face the fact that I'm not going to be uh, in a famous band or be able to do all this cool shit. It just didn't work out that way for me, which is fine. You know, a lot of that is happenstance too, and being in the right place, knowing the right people like bandmates. I don't know if, you know, you asked about the band and everything too. I was in two bands that we did a lot of cool stuff and we had our shit mostly together, but it just didn't work out. I think because, for a band to really work, like everybody in it has to be committed to it and like have the same goals. Otherwise, it's going to be grounded somewhere, you know. And honestly, I was probably 
one of the people that was keeping um, at least the last band I was in grounded, you know, because I can't, I'm not going to leave my job and life and go tour for seven months of the year. You know, it's just not going to happen. So that, you know, for that to work, you have to be like 100% in that, you know. So I guess my question to that, because I do know how your previous jobs did work with, with travel and stuff. Then how did you balance that? Because I mean, you like when you were doing the installations and stuff, I remember you constantly like being on flights to places or when you worked at WeWork and you were going to Colorado all the time, like there was a lot of travel that was existent inside of your work. So how did you navigate that world if you weren't willing to like go on tour for like seven months out of the year or like up and leave your wife? (laughs) Yeah, it was hard. Uh, The especially the installation stuff was hard, you know, because like we would... uh we typically had not enough time and not enough people. So like, you know, I would go somewhere, I'd go to Houston with a couple guys for like a job that should have taken like two days. And it takes us four or five, you know, because we're shorthanded and, you know, we just had to knock it out, you know? So like we would just stay there until it got done, you know, like we'd make it happen. Right. Yeah. That, those were hard times. We work was a lot easier because we work was like, Maybe, you know, out of the month, I would be gone for a week at most, you know, at most. So that was still not great, but it's way more predictable. And, you know, like also when I was out doing all these install jobs, I was just tired all the time, you know, like because I would we drive, you know, hours, get there, work way too long. And I mean, the reason I ended up quitting that job is because I did too many jobs. I was operations manager, the designer. I did a lot of the sales stuff. Like I would fly places just to go do sales stuff, you know. And then I was like their technical sales guy, if you will. But what would happen is I'd work all day at the site, like actually installing a job or whatever. And then I would go back to the hotel. You know, we'd get to the hotel, like, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 one in the morning and then I'd have like a shitload of emails I still have to go through. So like I would still sit down and go through emails and work and I might work for like three more hours at the hotel or whatever afterwards. And then, you know, just do whatever I can and then get up and do it the next day basically. So it was harder too because when I was out of town doing those jobs and stuff, like my time spent during the day was doing one job that I would normally be spending that time doing all the stuff on the computer or whatever too you know what i mean and that was just because they didn't they didn't hire enough people you know and i let them take advantage of that for too long if you will you know because i would step in and fix stuff that's another thing that is kind of a problem if you're like me is that you can't just let things fail you know and so because they don't fail then they can keep going like that you know you kind of like almost have to let something get fucked up in order for them to see like this is not sustainable, you know. Anyway, WeWork was way easier because it was way more predictable and it was way less work too. So like I could, you know, get to where I'm going, do what I need to do, and then I could call and talk to my wife, no problem. You know, the main thing is like I was much less stressed out. I was, you know, I had much more bandwidth so when, you know, that that is the reason I quit that ImageNet job is because I was fighting with Rachel on the way home from seeing my parents one day, like in the car. 
And then I just was like, what am I mad about? Like, I was like fighting with my wife over nothing. Like, I don't know, some stupid argument, you know? And I was like, why am I mad? What, what am I mad about? And then I realized like, I'm just mad all the time. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm mad all the time. Why am I mad all the time? You know? And then I'm like, oh, it's my job. My job sucks and I need to quit. All right, cool. So I, you know, like that's another thing is you got to think about like, you may be capable of doing all this stuff, but like, are you capable of still maintaining relationships outside of work too? doing that? You know, are you, are you actually prospering? Like, are you like doing good for you? You know, maybe for a short while, maybe that is a sacrifice that you need to make. You know what I mean? But in the long run for me, uh, you know, there, there's, there gets to a point where like, this is not healthy or good anymore, you know? So even though this was a really good career booster for me or whatever, like if I need to go do something that's less, you know, has less clout or whatever, you know, then that's fine. I'll do that for my own health, you know? Got you. So like, to me, that sounds a lot like establishing healthy boundaries, Yeah. trying to realize like, there are some things that I'm willing to do, some things I'm not willing to do and being honest with yourself about it and following through on what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's what that sounded like to me. That sounds like healthy boundaries, like establishing yeah. them, which is really hard. So like, how, how do you establish them? I know like, like some people who are not people pleasers who are more, uh, I want to do the job. And I want to do it right. And I don't want things to fail because insert reason, you know, like those types of personalities, uh, they tend to sometimes be really easily taken advantage of because of it. And then people have a hard time trying to establish those types of healthy boundaries. So how did you go about establishing those boundaries for yourself then? Once you're already like in a situation, it's very hard, you know, because like you've already set expectations and if you start to backstep from that then it makes you look like the bum or whatever you know what i mean like it depends on your situation there but i would say your best opportunity is in your next place like your next place of employment if we're just talking about jobs or whatever it is when you're in your next situation where you get an opportunity to start from the ground up again then you can set more of those uh, boundaries on yourself. And then, you know, that expectation will be more clear to those around you too. And I'd say for me, it gets better at every employment change that I've had. You know, like I have come in and I've said, okay, maybe I'm not going to do this this time, you know. And I, I, you know, I won't get into this or I won't get into that or whatever. The last place I was at, I didn't get into a bunch of stuff and it was pretty cool um i would still give my input i would still like especially people would come to me asking for input i would still give my input but i wouldn't just jump in and try to fix everything i would just focus on what i needed to focus on i did uh you know i started out in the service there and i got promoted to being the project manager and i really i didn't want to take that position to be honest i just did it because they really needed it they really needed somebody to do it. And I knew I could do it. Um, and I never done like full on project management. So I was like, you know what, let's just do it. It'll be challenging for a minute, but let's do it. And you know, it'll be a learning experience. Um, so that, that in a, in a way I did kind of expand 
my well, what's the word i was trying not to do that you know to like take on more responsibility um but i was like you know what let's 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 do this especially because they needed it really bad and it ended up being good overall like i learned a lot from it um and in a way that was a good way to control like it was a controlled increase of of expectations or whatever you know because it's like hey we're expanding it to this like you're over this now so that was good measured if you will um although i did have to start getting into other things and start talking to other people and start figuring out why my job was so hard on that side of it but does that make does that make sense i feel like i i might be i might be my brain might be dying now <laughs> Is my brain dying? <laughs> Your brain's not dying. Okay. I think I understand what you're trying to say, which is... Sing it back to let me. Let me think about that. Because my question was, how do you set healthy boundaries? And you're saying that the way that one sets healthy boundaries is, like, once you've already set a standard, then it's hard to backtrack on them. But if you move forward, like, if you leave a job going forward setting those healthy boundaries each time you move forward you're like okay now i'm at a new job these are my boundaries holding true to those and that that's how you yeah. have that experience through the different jobs that you've been through yeah that's what i got out of and, what you said and for me it's also is that what you were trying to say no, that by is the way? that is yeah okay and it okay, could just like... <laughs> it may not be just between jobs either it could just there could be another like transitional time in which you can set new boundaries you know it may be Maybe moving from one team to another or something would be good, you know, or maybe you could even request being moved from one from one team to another one so that you can, like, start setting those boundaries. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a whole job switch or whatever, you know. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. that's I mean, that's just my experience is like I try to just say, like, how am I going to improve? this time like or you know what am i going to do to make this better for me this time i think in the past i have done a lot of things that were not better for me they were better for my employer which you know you could argue ended up better for me in the long run i don't know uh, i think now i try to think of what is good for me and making sure i am staying motivated and not overburdened um, because i can do better work that way and i won't get burnt out you know I burn out. I can, I can tend to burn myself out. I have ADHD as well, which I don't know if that's obvious from this interview or not. But, um, you know, I can I tend to hyperfixate on things. And then once I'm done hyperfixating on thing, that thing, then it's like dead to me. And then I move on to something else. So I tend I tend to um, I have to watch myself with that at work, too, you know. Yeah. So it's really funny that you say that, because, like, I was literally sitting here thinking, like, I think this is the most chill version of Chance I've ever seen in all the years that I've known you. Like, because, <laughs> like, all of your, like, ideas and everything are, like, cohesive. They make sense. There's, like, a logical path. I was, like, dang. I was prepared mm. to, like, have to step in and, like, mm. readjust you. Like, I was, like, really, like, okay, I'm going to have to cut you off and, like, let's, like, transition you. But, like, now I'm, like, dang, Chance is doing so much better. Like, since I know that, like, I mean, this is not pre-established in the interview, but I know that, like, you, we had talked about you uh, going to see a therapist and, like, mm -hmm. learning about having ADHD and then, like, going through that transition period. And I was, like, genuinely sitting here thinking, dude, whatever he's been doing in this therapy has really been helping him because I was, like, I haven't had to, like, 
do much of anything but sit back and like let you talk and it makes sense instead of it just kind of being like scatterbrained just all over the place where the hell is chance going let me fix it um let me to, like, fix it. explain <laughs> like i mean because i understand when you talk I, i've always understood it because my brain works in very similar ways but like i i was really prepared to have to like explain things to the oh, audience no, he's or, like, going have over to, like, there now do oh, all no. these follow-up questions and like really trying to go through that and i was like i don't do any of that and i freaking love it like i just so i like as like a side note well, that's nice <laughs> that makes me feel nice yeah yeah i definitely um i've only been like aware or diagnosed for like less than a year that you know 2020 made a lot of stuff come out of the woodwork uh but uh yeah i do feel like i, I make a more conscious effort be, I think that's part of it too. Is like I know I have ADHD now, so I can I notice I think about more so like what I'm saying or I try to, you know. Is it okay if we talk about that? Yeah. I know you brought it up. But yeah, man. Like, I don't okay. care. Okay. Talk about whatever. <laughs> he said, "I don't know. I don't care." All right. Okay. So, like, first off, like, I think I think probably more people have. I don't want to call them mental illness because that's not what I want to call it. But like, they have um different mental things that are going on whatever those things are and they don't not always aware of them for for years like some people might have been diagnosed when they were younger some people aren't diagnosed until they're older and we're all kind of in like these different places with trying to look after our own mental health so how did you go from normal chanceness that I've come to know and love to being like you know what I'm gonna go see somebody to like talk about this to figure out what is happening with me? So I think the PC term is neurodivergent. Maybe. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't actually know either, but I think that's, uh, you know, because they call it uh disability, like ADHD mm -hmm. is a, is a, I it's think it's technically a disability. I probably don't even, someone's going to be it like, is. Oh, it's not technically a disability. You idiot. Um, Anyway, I don't know. In school, they put you in the disability category, right? and and so but, well, we're apparently go with it. in other countries, it's not known as a a disability. It's like a uh, they got another name for it that makes it not sound so negative. But basically, what happened to me is that I've always thought I had like some sort of thing. I really need to do stuff with my hands too. Like I've been playing with this back scratcher the whole I've time we've been that. talking. I've literally seen that. Like. Like I keep playing with the pencil stuff. makes you notice. Yeah, like I gotta I have to do something with my hands. But um I start I've definitely started to notice patterns of stuff I would do or get really interested in something and then not care about that for like a year or two and then be really interested in it again or whatever. Or like I can do a lot of stuff like for my bands and then just get really burnt out on it and tired of it and not want to do anything related to the band for like um like months you know so i started noticing those patterns but what really got me is like after my kid was born i had my first child last october 9th 2020 we had a kid during 2020 again 2020 was uh for lack of better words fucked um so <laughs> i it was just it was I, again, though, I can't really complain because, like, I had it pretty easy. But mentally, like, I was not doing well. Even though, like, my life was pretty easy. I didn't work for, like, six months. I just hung out with my pregnant wife. I built stuff in the garage out of wood. You know, I I, I did a bunch of cool stuff. Um, but when my kid came, everything changed for me. Like, I was 
also, I was really not ready for that. And I, there, I don't think there is a way to get ready. I think you just, you are or you aren't. So like the night my kid was born, I just was like totally, I had like a switch like flipped and I definitely had like postpartum depression for sure. That is a thing that happens to dudes. Google it. And I was like, just not having a good time. And so I like, I was just coping and trying to adjust and struggling very hard, especially the first like two, three months of my kid's uh, life. And man, it was just, it was just a real struggle for me. It was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. And for me, it's, it's all in the head. It was all very mental, moral, philosophical, like my life is different now. And those, I, I tend to get really stuck in my head on those things. I have philosophical, you know, very philosophical thoughts, like a lot of the time. And I'll watch a lot of videos or listen to podcasts about complicated topics that are just kind of stressful, honestly. But during this time, I just got so overwhelmed that like, I would, I was like losing brain functionality. It felt like, like I would, I was frustrating myself. Like I talk to myself in my head. There's people that don't do that. Um, apparently, but really? I constantly oh. have like inner dialogue with myself and I was like annoyed with my inner dialogue because my inner dialogue like would not stop. And then I could not get like, I would get these TikToks or songs or whatever just stuck in my head for like weeks. I couldn't sleep. Uh, like I couldn't sleep at night, like hardly at all. I, it just depended on the night, but like I had to have content or something going all the time. Like I was always watching YouTube or TikTok or something. I had headphones in all the time, like constantly. And if I didn't, I was like annoying myself with my own thoughts. So I was like trying to distract myself by like this external stimuli, which is also how I go to sleep. Like I have to go to sleep watching TV. Otherwise I will just think and think and think and I will get like frustrated and like it's, very confusing um anyway so like i it got to a point where i was like just trying to do some tasks on the computer or something and i just got so frustrated with myself and just like i had like a little breakdown kind of because i just had so many thoughts going through my head and just like some stupid tiktok song was like playing in my head and like it just it was just too much and i was like you know what I need to go see a, a, a psychiatrist or something, you know, like this is obviously this is not normal. So whether it's just because of like the baby or what it is or like my all these different life changes that are happening, I don't know, but I'm I'm going insane. So that's when I went to go see a psychiatrist. I told them what was going on. Um, best 200 bucks I've ever spent. Um, I didn't have insurance at the time. I don't even know if my normal insurance covers that now anyway, but it was so worth it because, you know, she was pretty clearly like, no, you're, you're depressed and I'm like pretty positive you have ADHD. So, you know, we had a few other conversations and stuff and I tried, um, since then I've had several sessions and I've been doing therapy with betterhelp.com just cause I, I heard ads for it on podcasts and stuff. So I tried it and honestly it worked out really good for me and it was the only way I could afford to do therapy at the time because that shit's expensive. And so it was uh, between those things and like trying a few meds, like just being aware now 
and like kind of understanding what's happening has helped a lot because I understand why I get like why I was getting overwhelmed, you know, and and part of it, you know, no meds can fix. It was just like stuff I had to go through, you know, and it was it had I had known maybe it, it might not have even been better, honestly, because it was just I was just going through a lot and it was affecting my brain differently than it might affect somebody else's or something. But I will say it's been one of the most beneficial things to know that I have ADHD and to like, because now I think about when I do something, I'll be like, huh, you know, and I'll kind of think about it. And then I'll think back years and years and years of like how I've done X, Y, Z and thinking like, oh, this is like, it all makes sense now, you know? And then I think back like, well, if I had known this like back then, maybe that would have been easier. You know what I mean? Or I could have, I could have dealt with things in a, in a better way. So I would say it was it was great for me to figure that out. You know, it sucks that it had to happen how it did, though. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm doing much better now. Uh, I mean, like, way, way better. And part of that is, like, I've just adjusted more so to being a dad and having a kid, which honestly was, like, the worst thing ever for, like, the first four months. Like, I hated it. It was terrible. Um, I love my child, love my wife. I just did not like what my life was at that at that point you know so being honest thank you and i think i think it's that way for a lot more people um than you think they just don't go posting about that stuff because they don't want people to think they're terrible for like hating their life now that they have a kid or something you know but i've definitely i've come a long way for sure um well, as you can tell, honestly, that was a huge compliment that you're like, hey, look, you're speaking cohesively and stuff. I'm like, that's great, because like six months ago, I was a complete piece of shit. So that's really cool. You know, first off, thank you super so much, super so much, super so much. Thank you so much for being honest. I think that's really valuable. I think it's one of the reasons why I also really wanted to talk to you, because even like because obviously, like I've told you before, I really want to have you on the podcast even before you know, you went through all this ADHD stuff and everything like that. And I want to talk to you because first off, you've done a lot of things and you've gone about doing those things in a different way that most people don't typically go through. But I also want to talk to you because you're always super honest, even if the thoughts aren't always like (laughs) super cohesive, it was always very honest. And you could always feel like you could always get the gist of what you were trying to say and that you were genuine in it. And you were always very open-hearted in that regard and I think that this is just a further example of the genuineness and genuineness the the genuality the miscongeniality I think is what you're trying to say (laughs) that's the word I was looking for miscongeniality um the honesty (laughs) and and the truthfulness of it all and in you sharing all of that I can speak words in correct sentences thank you (laughs) I was like, God, that was awful. I'm Tangela. I make sentences. <laughs> no, I'm, oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be uh, honest, you know. And whoever is interested in hearing about my experience and stuff, I'm hope, I hope that it's useful, you know. I think so. I mean, even if it's not helpful to them, it's helpful to me. I mean, even though we're friends, it's always <laughs> like, like hearing you say all of this, I'm like, oh, that's a thing. Like, okay, first off, I didn't know people. Some people don't talk to themselves in their head. Yeah. Like, that's something that I didn't know. I've always talked to myself in my head. I have an active 
running dialogue in my brain yeah. with myself. I think most and most people so, are like that, but there's a large population that do not converse with themselves in their head like they don't. They they it's pretty amazing actually. I I wonder what that. I'm like, how do you how do you do stuff then? You know, how do you have introspection then? So do you not ever? They just reflect back on yourself. I have to, like, I'm going like, to find, I'm about... going to find a video and send it to you. Uh, because I'm like so intrigued yeah. right now. No, it is very <laughs> interesting because honestly, like they're just like, uh, no, they're like just another type of thing, man. Like, but it's amazing because that it makes them more capable of some things than we would be like, they can think faster because they're not thinking in terms of language. They're just thinking, Oh, if that makes sense. Yeah, because that's what that's one of the reasons why I struggle with yeah. reading. That this is actually something a substitute teacher told me in middle school. The substitute teacher for an English class. I'll never forget this guy. Also, because he looked like Serge Tankian from System of a Down. Um, <laughs> nice. But he he said like, "Hey, why do you why do you learn language? Like, why is it important? What, like, coolest thing a substitute teacher could ask, right? Like, most of them are like, ah, oh, whatever. I I just getting paid. Y'all y'all don't cause me any Sit trouble. Over there and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, why do we learn language? Why do we try to get better at language? And, and we were like, I don't know. We don't. Uh, and then he was like, it's because like it's how you think. Uh, you know, if you think in your head, one plus one equals two. You're thinking that in English. If you know more languages too, then you open more like variety of being able to think. Like if you can think of, you natively think in English. If you could natively think in another language or multiple languages, or you can kind of intermingle them even, you're actually like changing the way you think by the language that you know and how well you know the language, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's just what what middle school Sir Tankian told me. Uh, but that stuck with me because I was like, you know, if you think about it, you're like, shit, I do think in English. That's weird, you know. But there's some people that don't think in a language. That's those other people, you know. That's really interesting because I know, like, for me, I've always struggled with reading. And one of the reasons why I am so slow at reading, which is something I learned in like elementary school, is because I process every single word internally mm -hmm. because I do not read the words as they are. So I have to actively think, what is this word for me to read it properly? Otherwise, I will always insert the word to be another word that looks like it or that might sound like it, or that is not the word itself. So like, for example, uh, different is one of the words that if I see any word that looks similar to different, I struggle with trying to figure out what that word is. So whether it's different, difference, differential, defiance, um, any sort of words like those, I have to actively think, what is this word, or else I'll mess it up. And so when it comes to reading... I have to actively think about the words, focus on what it is, and then say it to myself. So that way, when I'm reading a complete sentence, I didn't change the meaning of the sentence. I didn't change the words. And so because of that, I always have an internal dialogue. So it's, it's, that's also why I'm super slow at reading. People are like, why don't you read faster? People say, why can't you skim? Like a lot of people, like when they read things, they skim. 
I can't skim. I can't leave out is, a's, or any of those sort of like short words because if I do, it will change the meaning of the sentence in its totality. And so interesting. I can't skim. <laughs> Skimming is of the devil. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I think I'm in a similar boat, but I don't, I don't read much at all. I love reading and that's the hard part. <laughs> I haven't read since I was diagnosed with ADHD because I thought to myself, you know, I was having trouble reading. Uh, like I would just read, this is my typical reading experiences. I'll read like 10 pages and be like, what the fuck did I just read? And have to read it again, uh, because even though I'm reading it, I'm thinking about something else or I'll just, you know, my thoughts will diverge. And pretty soon I'm like, OK, I don't know where I actually stopped reading. So that's kind of funny. I haven't I know I haven't read since I was diagnosed because I keep thinking to myself like, oh, I should try to read again and see how it goes. And then I don't. I have a similar I have that same issue if you if but like not even just with reading. I have the same issue with that when it comes to like. People be like, oh, well, listen to the podcast while you're driving. Well, next thing I know, I'm listening to the podcast, but I have no idea what they're talking about. I tune back in and I'm like, oh, I feel like I missed a whole lot of something there. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you where I stopped listening at. I could tell you what the inner dialogue in my head was. Yeah. I could tell you about that thing that happened when I was in fifth grade that keeps replaying in my brain because anxiety likes to laugh at me. Yeah. You know, like I could tell you all of that crap. I couldn't tell you what happened. Yeah. And so I know like that is something that I struggle with regularly to this day, constantly, all the time. So like, I have to be very mindful. I hate the word mindful because it's so like hokey. It's, also, it's like one of those hot terms right now that just loses its value sometimes. But I do have to be very mindful and very conscious about my thoughts and what I'm doing and making sure that I understand what's happening. Otherwise, the next thing I know, I nothing has happened. No productivity has happened. I call myself reading about something. I don't know what I read. I called myself trying to do something. I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I've just sat in like this. I don't, I don't want to call it paralyzing, but um, I can't think of another term. So I'm going to use paralyzing um, sort of place of just like my brain is running and it's gone nowhere. Right. I've just been spinning the wheels yep. of tomfoolery. Yep. So, yeah. No, I, I don't feel know. you, I think, dude. Mm, huh? I feel you. Yep. Yeah. I feel like mental health is not always so openly talked about. I know that there's like a huge push for that to be changed uh, more recently, but I still think that there's still a huge stigma around it. And I think that these these um, conversations about how our mental patterns work are hopefully helpful to people, because even if you are like, oh, that kind of sounds like something that I do or something that I don't, or even if you relate to this or you don't relate to it, I still think that having a moment to do self-evaluation of, is there anything going on with me that I need to talk about? Is there anything that is going on that I need to like find some sort of help around or whatever? is important, even if it's not necessarily in the wheelhouse of what yeah. we're talking about. Well, I think even in terms of like audio and professional audio kind of bringing it back, like the more you know yourself and your strengths and your weaknesses, like the better you can find your niche uh, in this industry too. Because uh, the other thing is it's really easy to get burnt out. At least my experience in AV, it's not like a normal job like pretty much any kind of niche av job unless it's like a strict nine to five 
like it, it requires a little bit more attention and detail and you got to care about it a little bit more. Like if you're doing events, like that's a different kind of thing. If you're doing live production for bands and, and stuff, that's a different thing. If you're doing studio work, that's a different thing, but they all require a lot of self-motivation. Uh, they require like networking. They require you to be excited about it. Like you, they require you to be invested and excited about it. If you burn yourself out, you're not going to do well because you're not going to be excited about it and you're just going to be tired and it's going to suck. So you have to know your abilities and your limitations and you need to work within those, like those limitations just as they are. Because if you don't, you know, they're not saying you can't push yourself sometimes or push yourself for a time, you know, maybe take on a harder project. Uh, just like if you're constantly in that state of being overwhelmed or not having bandwidth, it's going to eventually not be good for you and it's going to run you into the ground. So like the sooner you know that stuff about yourself and also how you can improve your own workflow because you could be doing stuff like against the grain, you know, like and if if you kind of have the time and ability to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it, you might be able to do it in a smarter way for yourself. Absolutely. You know? Or maybe uh, just find a way to pivot and make it not so hard. I wish I would have done this a long time ago because I I can think of at least two times that I've had breakdowns that were explicitly related to burning myself out uh, and it could have been avoided, um, especially had I known and, you know, paid more attention to my own limitations. You know, and that comes with time and stuff too, right? But my, I mean, even for me, like I've been pretty... I'd, I'd say I've been pretty blessed financially, like, especially given my, like, my age and, like, my circumstances and whatever. Like, my family growing up, I didn't have money at all, really, you know, so it's kind of interesting. Like, I still turn the lights off when I go out of the room, you know what I mean? Like, I still put water in the soap bottles, like, so they last a little bit longer. Yep. So it's like... I do feel like I've been like I've been blessed in in that way, but the biggest hurdle for me still was the cost and like figuring out how to get how to go to a psychiatrist. You know, and I didn't have insurance at the time, and this is when I was laid off, but I was like, you know, this is really important and I just need to do it. And you know, all in all, I probably spent like $1000 going to the psychiatrist and doing therapy and stuff in like the past six months. It might be more than that. I don't know. But it was worth it. And I should have done it a long time ago. And I should have just, I should have just like, just done it. it. Like it's hard to pony up that kind of money for something like that. But definitely worth it. Uh, because you'll be better for it in every aspect of your life. You know what I mean? Like you can't really, logically, you can't rationalize it any more than, you know, it, it's a smart thing to do. It's just a matter of doing it. You know, yeah, it's also intimidating, yeah. too, because you're like, oh, man, what if they tell me I'm I'm not good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're not good. I mean, whether you're good and you know it, whether you're not good and you know it or you're not good and you don't know it, you're still not good. So right. it's like, yeah, what's like, what's the point yeah. here? I mean, I get it. I totally get it. It's 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 almost like. It's, it's why people tend to try to avoid problems. Like that's a very common thing that's in human nature is 
there's a problem and you're like, I don't want to address the problem because if I address the problem, then that means I know that there's a problem and then I have to do X, Y, and Z to fix it. And instead, you know, you like if it's like why people avoid conflicts with each other. Like some people are like, oh, I don't I don't do conflicts because I don't want to have to hash that out because that requires too much or whatever. Like people just have a natural aversion to trying to address problems in whatever form they come in. Yeah. So I, I, I get your point there. Go go get your head checked, everybody. Do that. Get your head you checked. Definitely do that. So Given what we know about you and your ADHD, your mental status in your brain, and how you are about trying to, you know, have healthy boundaries and such, how do you go about also doing second chance flips then? Because that's a time commitment and building cars and all that sort of stuff and doing all of that. Like, that's that's a whole you know, side project thing that's going on, but that's a side project that takes time and effort. Yeah. So how do you balance that world? Yeah. So also what is second chance flips? I realized I didn't actually like, ask no, them. I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah, my bad. No, no, you're good. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, when I got laid off from WeWork in 2020, I started a nonprofit. It was an idea I've had for a while, at WeWork, I was making like pretty solid money and I wanted to work on cars for fun. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, I don't need another car. Like, I didn't want to, like, just buy another car just so I could work on it and whatever. So I was like, what if I just bought a car, worked on it, and then gave it to somebody? I get to have fun. I can, you know, do stuff with my hands. It's, like, worthwhile to me. It'll cost me money, but I've got money, so I don't care. You know, like, I'm going to spend some money, fix up this car, and then give it to somebody was my thought. And then I actually got laid off. So, like, my, obviously, my income stopped but i was like you know what i still want to do this car thing so i'm gonna see if i can do it while i got the time because i was like i'm i'm like i'm about to have a kid and i've got a lot of time right now like if i'm gonna do it i have to do it now so and i did think like maybe i shouldn't do this because once i have a kid i'm gonna be really hard to keep doing it like because i'm gonna be busy right but i was like you know what fuck it i'm gonna send it and if i stop doing it later because it's too hard then whatever but i'm at least gonna try and get it going so i did uh it's called second chance flips i basically will find cars fix them up and give them to people typically people that are recovering to some degree like trying to build their life back up i've given two cars away right now i've got two in front of my house actually that i'm working on i say working on with air quote because life has been crazy but that's a good, like, that. to get to your point, yes, I still do it, uh, but it is hard because, especially after the kid came, um, you know, the first six, seven months, you know, you have no clue what time you're going to have available or how late you're going to be up at night or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's, but it's, it was uh, definitely a lot harder, you know, and I used to be able to work on them, you know, during the day or whatever. So now I typically, since I've got a full-time job again and I've got a kid, I can really only work at the cars like early in the morning or at night. So that's that's the way I've been doing it. Although I've had some other things that I've had to do, like we had to replace the fence in the backyard. Similarly, that took like a month because uh, I was just doing it like nights and weekends, kind of, you know. So it's still going. It's just a lot slower. And I've had to like deal with that personally because I really wanted to go like super hard and, you know, like really 
get it running like pretty quick. And I did a really good job in 2020 of like getting things going and getting things situated. I got my 501c3. Like I'm an like I'm an official nonprofit for real and I got all the stuff set up where like people can donate and I can give them tax receipts. Like I've I've accepted other car donations and I know how to do all that stuff now. So in that short time I did learn a lot and essentially and this is where it comes into knowing yourself. At this time, I didn't know I had ADHD. I did not know that I had ADHD, but I did know how I am. And so I knew if if I wanted to keep doing this, I needed to set myself up for as much success as possible while I had the momentum and the time. And then that way later when I was tired and I didn't have as much time or momentum, it would not be insurmountable. Does that make mm. sense? Yes. So I essentially, I went really hard at it for months in 2020. I gave two cars away in 2020 and it's, it's already the, like what it's almost August, 2021. I have not given a, away a car this year, but I've got two out front. That's mostly just because I've been dealing with my own mental issues and then like just becoming a father, figuring out how to cope and navigate all that. And I think that's fine. You know, like I'd, I would have liked to have done more, but uh, this is like a perfect example of like you have to step back and know your abilities and your limitations and stuff. So I'm definitely getting back into it now. Like I've the past few weeks, I've been trying to build that up. And then I've also got a guy working on my videos now. Part of this whole thing is I record myself like for a YouTube channel. I've got one video out and I'm about to have another one out. Second Chance Flips on YouTube or wherever. Just Just look it up. That's two indie chance flips, second chance flips. Anyway, <laughs> smooth. smooth. Yes, just going <laughs> to plug that right there. And, um, you know, I'm so I'm excited because, like, I am getting some momentum back now. But I had to set myself up for that, for it to be possible. Because if I had to figure out all the nonprofit stuff now, it would not be happening. It was a pain, quite frankly. And it was expensive. Uh, so, yeah. How do I do it? She asks. Uh, the answer, kinda. Kinda and with a lot of effort. Oh my gosh. Okay, first off, yes. That's a lot. Sorry. I got an email from my bank and it totally distracted me. That'll happen. Because I was like, uh, what do you mean my money? <laughs> um, but we're good. It's fine. The money's in the bank. It's just, it was letting me know the bank that the check. Was that's good. It. Oh, that's a good, so, that's a good thing. You like that. It is a good thing. We like those a lot. Thank you very <laughs> much. But yeah, no, I was like, I was like, wait, what do you mean? And then I was like, wait, I got to read that. Cause it popped up on the screen. Uh, and then I was like, what? And so then I was like, hold up. And then I was like, let me, let me look right quick, but I'm listening. I swear. Um, so Repeat back everything I said. Repeat it back to me. Uh, I, I can't give it back to you word for word, but uh, it was talking about, you know, second chance flips, how you go about balancing that. You've taken a pause. Now that you have a video editor, you can put out another video. You plugged yourself. You're like, hey, we're golden. Plug, plug. Uh, I, was, I and, will say, uh, though, like going back to having a kid, I was like, man, having a kid is going to suck. I'm not going to want to do anything. Anything I do want to do is going to be so much more difficult. And I will say that is 100% true. I was 100% correct. <laughs> it does, having a child does make everything really hard. So if you, if you uh, don't think that's true, then get out of here, you liar. 
Um, <laughs> lies. Um, I mean, I was going to ask you something about second chance flips, but then I just, I don't know, because the call dropped. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, I basically said um, that I know, I knew I had to to get it up and running and, you know, like, get everything in motion and get all the hard stuff taken care of so that when I did have the kid, uh, it would be a lot more manageable and would would hopefully make it where I can really do it. I would love to do second chance flip full time eventually. I would love yeah. that. That's like that would be what I would like to do. Transition out of audio, go straight into second chance flipping? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just um I think the thing about audio for me is a lot of the time at the end of the day I'm like, you know, the the end goal, the reason I'm putting all this effort into what I'm doing is not really that meaningful to me, like depending on what it is, you know, like at WeWork, the end goal was that the office audiovisual would work 100%. Cool. So that means that, you know, Ricky from whatever app company is renting the space at WeWork can do his presentation on whatever dumb app they have or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. it's not like a very noble cause, if you will. Right. Now it's good, like it's something it's useful, like whatever. But for me, like from a more philosophical standpoint, which I said I tend to dive into, like I think about why a lot. Why, why, yeah. why, why, why? Which is really why? kind of annoying. I wish I was an ignorant dumbass who really just didn't think about why all the time. But unfortunately, I'm not. So I have to think about these things. So I, I think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. And eventually I come to the conclusion that... um you know, at most jobs, the things that I'm doing are not that meaningful. That's just how it is. So I try to use, like, the money from the job that I don't think is as meaningful to do something more meaningful, which is, like, second chance flips, or honestly, we just give a lot of people stuff, you know, especially when we had more money before I got laid off. Like, I would always buy people's meals, or, like, if somebody needed something, would buy it for them or whatever, you know? Absolutely. Um, so it is kind of like a means to an end. It's not like I'm stuck in this job doing stuff I hate or whatever. It's like I use, I use, I don't hate what I do. It's just that I'm not super passionate about it in the way that, like, uh, you know, somebody else might be. Um, because I'm, I'm more interested in what I'm doing outside of work, if that makes sense. So, all that to say, like, I would love for what I'm interested in outside of work to become my work one day, you know? Mm, yeah. That would be what I would love to do. Uh, but it's it's hard, you know. It's hard to, because to, ideally the, the way that has to work is you have to get enough donors or make enough revenue to pay your salary at least, you know? That's tough because your salary has to be like one of the least important things. You got to like, obviously, if I give away cars, the most important thing is all my expenses to give away the cars and stuff, you know? I'm not going to like not give away a car because I had to pay myself. You know what I mean? So it has to be to a point where it is sustainable. Like there's a curve. I'm sure there's like a, a chart somewhere, <laughs> you know, that's like as soon as you reach a certain point, it's like, okay. Now it makes sense for me to make a salary over here because I can do this full time and I can I can make a lot more things happen over here, you know, like. Yeah. So no, I, hope, that, I hope for it to be like that one day. That totally makes sense. I think that's like I think that's like that's that's a problem that a lot of people have when it comes to having a side hustle in general, whether it's nonprofit or not. Yeah. 
it's it's difficult when you're you're you have a job, you're working, you're doing your thing over here, but then you have this thing on the side that you super love, that you're super passionate about, but it doesn't necessarily make you money. But you, you know, we still have to live, right? You still have to function in the world. Mm -hmm. And to function in the world, you need money. Yep. So it's like you have to do this thing until that kind of offsets itself or just forever just keep doing this job until, you know, the end of times, you know, yeah. and then do that on the side, you know, or, mm -hmm. or you retire or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I get that. I do. I think this was a really great episode. Sick. Like, this was really nice. I really enjoyed it. And so I guess... Before I let you run away, do you, what do you, where do you want to plug yourself at? Your socials. Can you just ask me before we quit, can you ask me more questions about being a woman of color, please? Um, absolutely. So uh, as a woman of color, um, what has been the largest struggle that you've been through? Mm, I'm going to say being a white male has been... <laughs> <laughs> You're such a goober. I can't even. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, You're I love such it. Such a goober. Um, um, yeah. If y'all, um, people listening, if you, if I, if any, if I can have any input, if you want to reach out to me for whatever reason, uh, do it. You can find me on anything. I'm at Chance Sampson ninety one. So LinkedIn, Facebook instagram all that other whatever anything i made that i forgot about that you might message me and then i'll see it in three years because i don't check it any of those things are going to be chance samson 91 oh my god if you want to look at the second chance flip stuff you can go to secondchanceflips.com or just look up second chance flips on youtube or whatever fabulous well thank you for this i really appreciate you being on the show this has been a lot of fun I'm honored. 